Hi everyone, my name is Jade and welcome to Boob Chats. So today I've got a really special guest, so I'll go straight over to her and if you'd like to introduce yourself and your title. Hiya, I'm Tracy Gledhill, I am a Pure UK finalist and I'm also a Copperfield Boobette. Perfect, so let's go right back to how this whole journey started with you. So start at the beginning and just tell me your journey. So I found Copperfield um, just over four years ago now um, and coincided with my own cancer journey. Um, I googled Copperfield in the middle of the night after being told by after sitting in a very pink room and hearing the words I'm really sorry you have cancer. Um, I was 34. I was my youngest daughter was 18 months old. I'd been pregnant and breastfeeding for, for quite a while and I had a pain just at the top of my boob and I never thought anything of it, you know, I was pregnant, I was breastfeeding, boobs change. I'd always been, I always remember growing up that all the advertising campaigns always said look for a lump, you know, cancer's a lump and I'm sure you've probably seen them yourself um, at a similar age, you know, all the things on Facebook that cancer's not painful, at your age it'll be fine. So I pretty much kind of went, I'm sure it's cool. And it was, it was two weeks before Christmas and it was absolutely manic, you know, it wasn't far off this time of year. And I ignored it and I complained about, you know, how painful it was, but I did ignore it. And then I fast forwarded a few weeks, things calmed down and I remember the pain coming back and I remember kind of feeling, going, oh, got that pain again. And as I slid my hand onto my arm, it was a tiny lump that hadn't been there, you know, two, three weeks before. So I did what any normal person would do and panicked and cried and rung my best friend and said, come and look at my boobs. Well, she did. She's a nurse. Um, you know, I didn't ask her any friend and she says it's not the weirdest thing I've ever asked her. Um, but she come around and she had a feel and I ended up um, at the hospital where they did a mammogram and an ultrasound and, and all the bits they do for them to say, sit there and say, I'm really sorry, but it's invasive ductural, invasive ductural carcinoma, breast cancer. And I genuinely didn't understand because my grandmother had breast cancer. You know, you see, you see grandmothers with breast cancer. This is something that happens to older people. And it had never, ever crossed my mind that it was something that could happen to me. And I remember in the middle of the night Googling, how did I get breast cancer at 34? And coming across Copperfield, who, you know, were pretty much answering that question, who had people, you know, it was still a very relatively small um, charity. I mean, Copperfield's now into its 11th year. So you think nearly five years ago, it was still quite in its infancy. And they were kind of saying, this does happen. It happened to Copperfield founder Chris Halenga when she was early 20s. You know, this does happen. And we need to be make people aware that it does happen and, and get the message out of check-in. And as I went through my journey and I had I had chemo and I had a bilateral mastectomy and and then at the end of all of that, I told I was told my treatment wasn't successful, that um, I still had cancer and I didn't understand because I'd done everything that was on the list the doctor gave me, you know, I'd done all of that. And what happened was where it had already started to move through my lymph nodes, the lump I'd found under my arm was where it already started to travel. So I knew that cancer would always be part of my life. Um, so then I decided that I considered myself quite intelligent, you know, I considered I was pretty, pretty worldwide, I knew these things, you know, but I never knew that it was something that could affect me, and talking to friends, they didn't know it was something that could affect them, and it was like, oh my god, this is really rare, how did you get breast cancer at this age, and the more I looked into it, actually, it's not rare, not at all, you know, and, and now, especially, you know, with Copperfield Boubettes, it's about 150 of us across the UK working with Copperfield, who have all been diagnosed under the age of 35, I've got friends that were diagnosed at 18, 19, you know, um, so I've become really passionate about working with Copperfield to go out and tell my story and say to people, do you know what, this this does happen. And the only way we are going to stop it happening is by checking. You know, it'd be really great if I could say to people, well, 
because I talked to you today, no one's going to get cancer. It would be the most amazing superpower in the world, but it's never going to happen. All we can do is go out and talk to people about checking and knowing the signs and symptoms and, you know, handing out things like shower stickers and, and boob check cards and getting people to know and to be aware that actually, as scary as it is, this is something that can happen to them. You know, the figures now have changed again and they're actually one in seven women um, will be diagnosed with breast cancer and 400 men, you know, and that's a big one as well. And I see, I take my giant boob to, to community events and I put it on a table and you see guys walk over and go, boobs, nothing to do with me. And really we walk off in the opposite direction, you know, and, and 400 men are diagnosed as well. And I think very rapidly, it's something that everybody knows somebody. Um, and I know in the pageant community recently, that's been, been highlighted as well with directors and, and, and pageant girls and things like that being diagnosed as well. And I think the more people talk about it, the less, the more we have conversations about it, the less people are going to think this is never going to happen to me. And the more you know about it, the more you check, the more you make it a habit, the earlier you're going to be diagnosed. You know, we can't stop anybody, anybody being diagnosed. If you're diagnosed at that earliest possible stage, then your treatments in most cases are going to be more successful and least invasive. You know, and I, I was told last year that I've got a tumour in my leg now and that's been investigated. And I think I can't change that outcome for me. But if we can get everybody checking, then that's going to change the outcome for so many people. I think that's the thing. And obviously Copperfield being, like you said, still such a, a young charity, so to speak. And I think going back when I first discovered Copperfield, which would have been like eight years ago, I, I'd never heard of it before. They were giving out free T-shirts and I thought, oh, well, fantastic. I love a T-shirt. Everyone loves to see me. And, you know, I was I sat there and I thought, well, I'm only 16. Like breast cancer isn't going to get me. Like, you know, that's like you said, you generalise it with an older generation, which really isn't true. And I think you've got to think just so, but since the five years since sadly you were diagnosed, the that social media has such a power and people start talking, you know, you've got websites like Instagram is a fantastic source as well. And so many people can talk about it and then they think, actually, I'm not the only one. I now want to talk about it. And I think just me, I'm, I'm 24. And in the last, last two years, I've had three people, young people have to go to the doctor, including myself, go to doctors because we found lumps and, you know, luckily there's not been anything, but it's getting in that mindset and that routine that you know if something's not right just to talk to someone about it and I think because there's so many people now openly talking about it it's just giving everyone that little bit of confidence isn't it to it is I always think about you know, it. the amount of people that are friends that have come to me and said oh I've got this problem um can I talk to you about it I've, I found this I'm really worried and I kind of think who did you talk to before you know before I was very vocal about my journey you know I blogged all the way through it um I post quite a bit the good and the bad because I think it's important to show that you know this is a life-changing thing um and I kind of wonder who who would you have spoke to before or would you just have not and I think the more we make it a conversation and that's why I love going and talking in schools and in businesses because if you make it a conversation a day-to-day -day conversation that people are used to having then you can talk about it you know and also um from another point of view if like if you're in a business and someone's off with breast cancer and then they come back there's not that awkwardness because actually cancer's talked about you know, it's not that, it's not when you whisper and they go, oh, cancer, you know, no, it, it is what it is, you know, and we do know that the earlier diagnosis is, the more successful the outcomes are, so we should be talking about it, you know, we should be talking about it so that everybody's aware, and I know Chris has said, um, Chris Langer, who founded Copperfield, she said over and over that she hopes that one day Copperfield won't have to exist, that so we'll walk into a room like we do with the Boobette Talks and go, who already checks, and absolutely everybody goes, well, doesn't everybody, and we're so far from that. Um, even, you know, when we go in and talk, not necessarily at, at, to teenagers, but even when you go talk to adults, we are so far from that. And people say, 
oh, well, I don't check. And if you'd asked me, I would have said I did check. You know, if you said, oh, Tracy, do you check? I would have gone, yeah, of course I do. And I would have checked that day because somebody had reminded me, but then I might not have checked for another six or seven months until something else had gone, oh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month, have you checked, you know? And like you say, it's about knowing your body and being aware that you know your body better than anybody else. And you always will do. And ultimately, if you don't feel comfortable, you know, Copperfield are very strongly advocate that you're not looking for a lump, you're not looking for a symptom. What you are doing is knowing what your normal feels like. So that if your normal changes, then you can go and get that checked out. And for the majority of people, like you've said, with yourself going to doctors, for the majority of people, that's not anything concerning. It could be something like a, a cyst or a, a something else that, you know, still needs treatment or still needs to be aware of. Um, but unless we take that control over our bodies and over our lives, we're leaving it to chance. And that's a big chance to take. Yeah. And I think a lot of things, like with smears and that as well, so you can't physically check for stuff like that. But people wait until they're getting their letters to go for their checks. And I know in the UK you're still waiting to sometimes around the age of 47 to even start getting mammograms and you think that's a really long time to be waiting just to see if something's wrong and you know I know from experience I've had family members who didn't start checking until that point and you think you know like a lot of people will be absolutely fine some people will naturally have lumpy moves as well but it's you said it's that being familiar and being a lot oh well I have a mammogram um but a mammogram only tells you what's happening at that moment in time and a mammogram can be three years apart and I think especially with with all the COVID and stuff as well, that is going to get further and further apart as whilst they try and catch up, you know. So if you are going five years between a mammogram, there's a lot of things that could be happening in that time, you know, and it is about being familiar with your body. And and sometimes you do have to kind of say, actually, I know I'm young, but this is this is not normal for me. You know, I've had it myself. I went to a I went to an appointment. It was, it was quite bizarre because I was obviously post-surgery. Um, so I didn't have a reconstruction, so I'm um, bilaterally completely flat. Uh, these are knitted, rainbow-coloured. Because um, if you did, yeah, because if you could have rainbow colored boobs, why wouldn't you, you know? Um, oh, exactly. And I remember being scanned, and this woman saying to me, Don't worry, my love, you're far too young to have breast cancer. And I sat there thinking, I'm two years past diagnosis, I clearly have no boobs. Um, but it was just a standard turn of phrase for her, Oh, don't worry, you're too young to get breast cancer. Yeah, I think I, that when I first went to my GP with my love, she did say, Oh, it's, it's very unlikely, but we got to follow the procedure, and like, I know. Have spoken to other people as well. The kind of procedure is now that you've got to go to a breast clinic within two weeks. So I got referred within less than a week, and I thought, wow, that's fantastic! Like, how, you wait longer for a GP appointment sometimes. Oh, most definitely. And um, when I was there, and they were doing my biopsy, and I was chatting to the nurse, and she went, "You know, you've done a really great thing here." You know, and I said, "Well, obviously, I advocate and I speak about breast cancer with people, and I want people to be doing the same." And she went, "That's you don't hear many young people that say that." And you think we're like as a generation, obviously, I think. My kind of voice came from pageantry and being a uni boob team leader as well and really speaking at university. But I obviously university in the time of change, time away from mum and dad, a time when you start living for yourself and you haven't got people telling you what to do anymore. Yeah. And um but like I said, like we really voiced like when I sat down with my team at university, we really voiced that. The fact that really like took like threw me back at my talk in London was the four hundred men a year. And I thought I literally had no idea that men are getting diagnosed with breast cancer every year and we thought we really want this to be kind of our point because there was such a large like male um population on our campus and none of them knew either and you just think and i think it's crazy i go to schools and colleges and quite often they'll say oh so we've gathered all the girls together and you're like great so when am i going to talk to the boys Mm -hmm. you know and it's all very much this single sex thing and actually um i remember doing a talk i remember doing a stall at freshers week and a guy come over and he was like and wandered off and I was like actually can I just 
you know, did you know 400 men? And he stood and he listened. He was like, no, I genuinely didn't. Thanks for... And he took, you know, the boob check cards, things like that. And about an hour later, he came back with three or four friends. And he was like, right, they don't believe me. Tell them. And he'd done that four or five times through the day. And you kind of think, God, that difference that makes. That's the thing. You've only got to think one friend tells five people, then they tell five people. Suddenly everyone's talking. And I think this is why, you know, the boobette talks, like we invited one to an event we had in Swindon last year. And I still had some rep, like, do a work with Phil for such a long time. I was still so shocked by the, the statistics and the stories. And you just think, like, why aren't people talking about this? And I think that's I think that's why the, the Copperfield Boubette talks work, because it is someone stood in front of you. Um, especially with schools and universities, you know, you can go in and you can tell you can show them videos and you can they can read the articles. But for someone to stand in front of you, you go, well, actually, it does happen because it happened to me. And this is my story, you know, and you can feel the atmosphere in the room change when you say, and I'm here talking because I know what it feels like. You know, my favourite talk that I do, and I've done the same talk several times now, is a group of male lorry drivers over in Castleford here in Yorkshire. Um, and they're part of, of a distribution group. And I've been over several times now to go and see them. They are an exclusively male group. And every time it gets me, you know, these these are the guys that are going to go out and they're going to say to their mates in the pub, did you know? Yeah. You know, because we know, I think as a woman, you have that, you even if you're not acknowledging at your age, you know somewhere within you that this is a risk at some point. Whereas guys genuinely don't, yeah. you know, and I remember the the guy who arranged it all was lovely, absolutely adore him. And he's, so he's booked me to go over several times. And then I did another event and he's a, uni rep, uh, a union rep. And he, I did another event that he kind of recommended me for. And he was there and I was doing the stall and I was, I was still talking to somebody. And as I turned around, he was stood behind me talking to another group of blokes. But he was giving them exactly the same information. And, you know, I just kind of stopped and thought, God, if he's giving that information in an unfamiliar atmosphere, then back in his own atmosphere with his friends, with, yeah. with his work colleagues, he is really confident about making sure everybody knows this and it's the impact of it rolling. And I think for uni boob teams, I absolutely adore uni boob teams. I love working with uni boob teams because the boobettes talk, most of the boobettes talk from a place of knowing what it feels like. The, the uni boob teams talk because they know how important it is. They recognise that importance. You know, and I think that's where the voice comes from. I think it's very easy sometimes to go, oh, well, of course it's important to you because you've been there. You know, but from, from people like yourselves who talk because you're passionate about it, because you don't want to know what that feels like because you don't want to be in that place. I think there's real strength in that. And I think there's real strength in everybody knowing. And I think there's a big element as well. I was, I was sat in that room in London a couple of years ago now with representatives from Copperfield. And I think the thing is, is Chris was diagnosed when she was younger than me. And that just makes you think, and the fact she kept getting turned away, and I just, when I what first watched her documentary, it just, it set something off in me, and I, I can't sit here and say what it is, but I just thought, that literally could be me, that could be one of my friends, you know, it, and you just think, you just want to shout about it from rooftops, it's like, there's why like, aren't you checking, you there's know? There's a clip of dying to live in, in the Boobet presentation, and I must have seen that same clip thousands of times now, and I never tire of seeing it, you know, and there's a bit in it that, even when I'm having a really bad day and people always go, oh, you're all so, so positive. And I'm not, you know, sometimes I sit at home and cry about how rubbish it is. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. But there's a bit in the video where Chris says, sometimes I just feel like I'm so done. And then I say, Chris, you're being an idiot. There's so much still to do. And just that part of the video every single time makes me go, yeah, there is so much to do. You know, we hear, and the most common thing I hear is, oh, well, cancer doesn't run in my family or it does run in my family. But very few people know that less than 10% of breast cancers are actually hereditary. You know, so we, we're kind of really confident about this 
breast cancer genetics but actually that makes up a very little part of it yeah and like I didn't really like going back to when I, I think when I was younger and that you get put on the pill and stuff like that and they always say does breast cancer run your family and I go oh, no it doesn't but then like I said people that I know that have suffered no one in their family did and that's the thing it's ever changing I think people want to focus on the things that make them think they're not like they haven't got a chance don't they and it's I think it's us protecting ourselves and not living in fear isn't it and I think like you said the most important thing about checking is you're not looking for cancer you're not looking for a symptom you're looking like well oh, that's normal for me that isn't you think well, actually that isn't that's weird okay let's see how that goes, goes you the doctor, it. Isn't it? I've got a twin sister and my twin sister doesn't check um drives me mad but she doesn't check because she doesn't want to know and I get that. I get that people are like, what if it is something? But if it's something and you treat it now, the chances of success are so much higher than, than later on. You know, and, it, and it's that taking control of it. And all the way through my, my journey, um, taking control, and even now, taking control of my cancer has been a big part of that. And I think Copperfield, for me, um, I was talking to Millie, who is our, who is our Boobet coordinator the other day. Being a boobette is a big part of me taking control of my cancer. It's making something very positive from it, you know. And, and like when I started losing my hair through chemo, I shaved my hair because then I lost my hair on my terms. Yeah. And I think if you take control of your health, you take control of your body, you can't stop the bad things from happening, but you can work with the consequences. You know, you can work out how it feels. And I was, I was really big busted. I was huge. And I had really lumpy boobs. And I always remember going, well, how will I know? You know, they're always really lumpy. And, and now I think, God, if I'd just checked, I would have known what lumps were normally there. I would have known how it felt. I would, and look, I look back at photographs now, actually, and I kind of go, how did I not realise? You know, because it was swollen and you could see that it physically is different. And I'm like, how did I not? And that's, I'm grateful to Copperfield, you know, for giving me a chance to come out and, and tell my story, but also pageantry, because that's that was the reason I got involved in pageantry in the first place. You know, because I was like, wow, this is... Firstly, this is a huge group of people who are of that target age who probably don't think that it's anything to do with them, you know. And obviously, we're all well aware of how pageantry has has a charity and how amazing people are. But to outside it is very much a perception of based on looks. And cancer absolutely changes that. You know, the times where I've had a complete meltdown because I've wanted a gown and I can't because I don't have a cleavage or because, you know, my prosthetics sit funny. Um, and to be able to go into that world and go, well, actually, I can have confidence after cancer and I can make a difference and I can tell my story and make a difference to other people. And there's a couple of people who, it sounds really big-headed to say it, but there's a couple of people who I know were diagnosed as a direct result of hearing me talk. Um, and that's huge. You know, that is absolutely amazing to know that it really does make a difference to that people listen. And I always carry, like, the... Um, the, the boob check cards I always have in my pocket my blazer pocket you know in my jeans pocket wherever um because it's just a great conversation starter yep. you know and it's just that it is going to happen to somebody you know one in seven says it's going to happen to some of us you know you, you go to a pageant final and think of how many women are in that room yep. it stands to reason that there's a large proportion of us that will be diagnosed at some point and I think when you start looking at how many people will have their lives affected by a loved one being diagnosed you know the statistics at the moment are that one in two of us will be diagnosed with some form of cancer in our lifetime. You know, when you look at how many people are going to be, have their lives affected by a loved one, it's absolutely everybody. And if we can start those conversations and, you know, Millie, my youngest now is six and she walks around the house like this and you say to her, Millie, what are you doing? She's like, just checking my boobs. She's six. It's not relevant to her right now, but she's going to forever grow up knowing how important it is and her children are going to grow up knowing how important. And it develops a whole new generation of people who 
just know that that's important to know your bodies, you know, and we talk so much about healthy eating and mental health and, you know, all these things that we advocate for of, of being healthy, but we don't talk about that, you know. I'm sure you probably know your best friend's song she wants to play at a funeral. You probably know her deepest, darkest secrets. But do you know if she checks her boobs, you know? It, it's that getting into the habit of, actually, I really care about these people. And this is something that can make a difference. Yeah. I mean, I know it's cheesy. I've got a hoodie with it on the front. But knowing your boobs really can save your life. And it's it's so simple. You know, and I always say, like, um, Coppital do these shower stickers, which go in the shower. They're completely waterproof, so you, they're physically stick in the shower. And I'm like, you know, you're naked, make it part of your routine. And the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature. You're not even going to have to think about whether you've done it or not. And then there'll be a day where, maybe not even now, and I think it's it's really hard to comprehend, especially in a year like this that's felt never-ending, that not just this year, but not just next year, but maybe 30, 40, 50 years, getting into this habit could make a difference, and not just for you, but for the people you care about. You know, that is absolutely huge. You know, that's beyond comprehension, isn't it, that... If you think as a uni boob team member, someone you spoke to might have got into that habit and 50 years down the line, they've been diagnosed at an early stage because of the impact of you telling them to check. It's absolutely mind blowing. And I think that's the thing with Copperfield. They cover literally every base. Like it, they, they hit people straight at university. And I think that's such a fantastic time to talk to people. And I, I find that when you went to uni and you, know, you start thinking more for yourself and you know, like I said, I didn't start the boob team at my uni till I was in my third year. So there was no uni boob teams there before then. So we were the first one. And, you know, it's just talk, like you said, it's spreading that message. And obviously with Boo Betts, they're talking to people in schools, people in workplaces, they're taking a different audience. And then you go away and then you go home and say, oh, so mum, I had a really interesting thing at work today. Or you speak to your partner or you speak to your best friend. And I think, like I said, you talk about your days and you talk about things you come across. And I think, the statistics with breast cancer now, and I think, like you said, just in the few years that I've been kind of doing work at Copperfield, how they've changed. Yeah. I said it just takes me back every time. And I think if if they shock me every time I read them, when you're presenting them to someone that has no idea what's going on, they're going to go away and talk about that, and it's going to stick. Yeah, that was brought home to me actually the other day. Um, I don't normally get nervous when I do talks. Um, I'm quite a confident public speaker, so it's not something that normally bothers me. But last week I did a talk to um, five new members of staff at Boob HQ, which was terrifying because they know what I'm supposed to be saying. You know, they know the facts and figures. And I was really concerned. And I remember saying to my husband before that, but they know what I'm trying to tell them. You know, they know these facts and figures. They they compile these facts and figures. What can I tell them that they're not going to be bored stiff? And actually the main feedback from that was, it's very different when it's in relation to a personal story. It's very different when you go, I was one of those one in seven, you know, and actually this is my story and I wasn't diagnosed at the earliest possible stage. So here are all the things that go with that. And I think that is where the impact is. And like you say, with Copperfield, we reach so many people and it's weird. I can't explain it, but you can't help but post. You can't help but, but share a post or you can't help ask people. Once, once you know how important it is, and I see people who, you know, in my talk, I always say, I get if people don't want to share the post. I get if people don't want to take a photo with a giant boob, you know, things like that. But people kind of have this inbuilt need to kind of go, actually, I do. Actually, I all of a sudden I realise how this important, how important this is. You know, I, I feel I don't think anybody's kind of ever said to me, oh, yeah, no, I'm still not convinced why it's an issue. You know, mm-hmm. I think all of a sudden people kind of go, yeah, I'd never thought about it. But wow, 
But I think the thing is, when you're, on, you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram, you see a post, it's easy just to kind of scroll past it and think, oh, enough, my, no, not going to affect me, yeah. not going to affect me. But when you've got that person stood in front of you to hand in their story, it just hits differently, doesn't it? Because it's like, this isn't just a Facebook post. This is someone stood here That's telling why, me. That's why I say, I, I blogged all the way through and people have always said to me, oh, will you go back and edit it? And I was like, no, I can't because I wrote it there and then. If I go back and change anything now, it's not genuine. It's not how I felt. And, you know, there's a bit of sweariness in it. There's a bit of, when I look back, I'm like, oh, God, Tracy, you were being a bit dramatic. Actually, this was how it was. But at the time, that was how I felt, you know, and my thoughts the night before I had my surgery and the day of diagnosis and things like that. And But on social media, I've been really mindful that I do show the bad stuff. You know, I do show the days where I've sat and cried and the days where I'm in so much pain. And the other day I had to have um, the radiotherapy has damaged my um, throat and damaged my lungs. So I had to have a test to see um, how well my esophagus works, which was absolutely horrific to have a tube put down my throat. Um, but it was really important to me to continue to, to post that because this is the impact of cancer. This is the impact of cancer not being diagnosed early, you know, and we can change that. You know, we can make that a difference. And like you say, I think I look at, and especially like I say, pageant finals, you walk into this room and there's so many amazing people doing so many amazing things. And you look around and think, wow, in this room, there is going to be 30 of us that are going to have a similar story. You know, and that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely terrifying to be able to think that in a room full of people. You know, there's very little, I think there's very little else that you can kind of go into a room and go, wow, this is going to affect all of us. You know, and I think as as a person, as a young person, it's very easy to go, oh, yeah, it's not me. But it really is, you know, and it, it really is something that affects absolutely everybody and can be changed. And I think we all kind of like cancer is this big thing that nobody can do anything about. But we can. You know, we do know that the earlier diagnosis are the more successful the treatments are, the least invasive the treatments are. It's true. We can't change our age, our genetics and our gender, which are the three biggest factors. But we can make other changes, things like healthy lifestyle. 40% of all cancers, not just breast cancer, but all cancers, have their risks reduced by living a generally healthier lifestyle. You know, these are things we can do and we can make a difference. And I think when you talk about breast cancer, we need to get out of the headspace of it's something that happens to older ladies. It's something we need to be aware of for when we're 60, because this is something that is very real now. This is something that, you know, you could go to the doctor tomorrow and be told. You know, I did. I did. I sat there. Um absolutely no idea there was no red flags about my life that made me think it was something I should be aware of and I walked into that room and when you know I remember the doctor the first word she said to me was I'd like to introduce you to Carol Carol's going to be your Macmillan nurse and that was it you know straight away you were like this isn't good news and I know that my statistics are rubbish I know that my life expectancy is absolutely rubbish I know January is a big one because that comes up to the five years um but also I know obviously now that I have this this tumour in my leg and things like that. And that when I look now, my children, my eldest is only 14. My youngest is six. Um, so what I do now is I kind of think I am leaving a legacy to change that for them. You know, Jake is absolutely mortified by the giant boob. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's absolutely traumatised by it. I keep sent him, do you want me to pick you up from school? And he's like, oh, is the boob in the car? <laughs> no, mum, I'll walk. But he will always know how important that is, yeah. you know, and I've heard him themselves, you know, they do talk and sometimes they'll say stuff and they'll walk around and we've got boob related everything in this house, you know, everything's got boobs on it. Um, but sometimes the girls will draw a picture and they'll come over and it'll be a picture of a Copperfield t-shirt or, you know, my 12 year old was walking around the other day with a Copperfield t-shirt on. And it's just, you, 
it's mind-blowing to think that they're going to grow up, they're going to be of the generation, that if we do all the work now, they're going to be of the generation who this is normal for, you know, who this level of awareness. And Chris was involved with the, the Rethink Cancer campaign, um, which tried to get cancer awareness, not just breast cancer awareness, but all cancer awareness on the national curriculum. And that was actually successful. And as from September of 2020, um, breast cancer check-in and things like that was all on the national curriculum. And when you think, why don't we teach our kids that? Yeah. We teach them everything. You know, we go really deep into sex education and we teach them things that probably have zero relevance for the rest of life. I'm sure my son would tell you that he has no doubts that he's never going to use algebra. But why don't we teach them to look after their bodies? Why don't we tell them these things? You know, and the world's changing. And I see it, like you say, that everybody now knows who Cockerfield is. And... I think when you scroll on Instagram, obviously you follow the hashtags, things pop up that you're like, oh, where did that come from? And it takes you on a whole different tangent. Um, and to be part of a revolution of knowing your body and taking control of your body and being able to kind of make positive steps to change that is huge. You know, it, it's real. It's a real blessing as well. You just got to think of like the time that Copperfield's kind of developed the way it is. But going back a decade ago, social media was there, but we never thought it would be what it is now. And although it can have its negatives, it's such a powerful tool. And it's people listen, people spend so much time on their phones and on Instagram. Yeah. Like if you look at like how much time you think, you're like, oh my God, I spent four four hours of my life this week on oh, Instagram. Yeah. But just scrolling, where did it go? I, I, don't, I don't feel like I was there that long. But that's the thing, it's such a powerful tool. And I think Copperfield, they have such fun campaigns and, I think that's the thing about aware um, and I always you know I always do start my talks and with by saying that I am aware that Copperfield do take it as a light you know we do approach it in a light-hearted manner but don't think for a minute that that's negating the seriousness of it we we know um but, but I think it's the way they approach it you hear the word cancer and you think oh wow okay but it's it's easing it in and making you think okay cancer is scary but the whole approach to it it shouldn't be it it, they make it fun, yeah. don't they? You have the giant boobs. You know, I always say, it's okay to laugh. Boobs are funny. It doesn't matter how old you are, boobs are funny, you know. And if I'm walking around with a giant inflatable boob that you can physically wear, yeah. you've, you've got to expect people to laugh at that. And that's and, the thing, I think more boys wore my boob and my own boob team yeah. than the girls did. Like The most men like it a lot more. Most definitely. And if you can get in with humour and if you can get that embarrassment taken out of it, if someone's embarrassed, they're not going to listen to the, the message. You know, I always say... During my talk today, I'm probably going to say boobs more time than you've ever heard in your life. And especially at secondary school, you kind of see them going, did she really say boobs? And I'm like, yes. And you get to an age where you've just got to kind of think they're normal. Yeah. Everyone has them. Yeah, and boobs. That's the you know, it's okay to find them funny. It's fine. And I, I did a talk the other day um, and it was actually a business and there was two guys and it was a Zoom call and they found it hysterical. And then I said something like, so I'm going to touch on this. And that was it. They were gone. And then the more I could see them laughing, the more I was laughing. But that's okay, because they come away from that call going, okay, I heard that message. You know, I didn't sit there and be told, these are the facts and figures, and it's all very serious, and you must take this very seriously. You know, it's a, it's part of life. It is what it is. There have been times in my cancer journey where I've laughed till I cried. You know, that it's been absolutely hysterical. Um, and you have to take that, because if you don't, then it all becomes really tragic, and it all becomes a bit rubbish um so you kind of it's it's okay to laugh isn't it and it's okay to kind of feel relieved at things and I think that's honestly that I honestly can't get over how like just how fantastic everything they do is and they have so many many like celebrity ambassadors like really famous people that support them obviously they've worked with 
and Summers. They've worked with um, Love Honey. I know I had loads of Love Honey stuff to give away at Fresh Week. Everyone loved it. <laughs> and they the, uh, so the many people now. Collaboration. So there was a whole range of Copperfield yeah. vans. They um, also did Barry we, M because they gave us loads of glitter for all of our yeah. glitter parties as well. So. Yeah, um, obviously we're part of the um, Asda Tickled Pink campaign, yeah. but we also have, there is a range of pretty little thing, Copperfield branded clothes. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's absolutely amazing to be able to see these things and make it part of everyday life, make it something that's not unusual, that's not, not mentioned. And if you can get people involved, I mean, Chris and Marin just did a 12-hour bouncathon on tiny rebounder trampolines dressed up, you know, and getting the celebrity patrons involved getting Perry Edwards and Tom and Giovanna and things like that is absolutely amazing because then they can speak to their reach. You know, and I was, I was on um, Giovanna's happy mum, happy baby podcast talking about what it's like to be a mum with breast cancer. And again, it's just reaching out to more people. And, and that's the every one of these um, celebrities has an audience, don't they? Not necessarily an audience that follows G- Cogfield. And as soon as they start saying it, you think, okay, I, I, you know, when you see a celebrity you follow or an influencer you follow, and they start talking about a charity or a cause, you think, "Oh, I didn't know about that. That's interesting. Let's look at it more." It's, it's plants a seed, doesn't it? And you start thinking about it. And I think that's when you've got this many people kind of representing Coffee and this many brands now. Like just over like the three years since like I kind of did a uni boob team course, I think how many like famous brands are now involved with them makes you think the amount of new people they're now reaching. And I think it's fantastic. And I think that's similar with, with um, pageant platforms and things like that, isn't it? You know, you can get involved and you can lend your voice to so many different things. But when there's something you are passionate about, that shows, you know. And I do, obviously, I lend my voice to all other campaigns. But clearly, my passion is for Copperfield and, and for breast cancer awareness. And the same with yourself, you know. And it is that people that come to see you because they know who you are, who then see that and actually, well, that's important to her. And because you speak so passionately about it as well, that is infectious, you know, you would then kind of go, this is really important to me. And someone else goes, okay, so why is that important to her? Why, why is it then important to me? And it starts off a chain reaction, doesn't it, about it being important to lots of people. And that's the thing. And I think like one of the, the re- like, just reading statistics, and a lot of them, they do like surveys and like between, like, I can't remember the exact statistic, but between 18, 18 and 24 year olds, I think we should be speaking about it more. It should be on curriculum. And the fact that Chris has really fought for that is fantastic because this kind of stuff was never spoken about when I was at school. And, you know, and I feel like, Although it was a long time ago, I left. It wasn't that long ago. Well, Copperfield were Copperfield accredited to having the first female nipple on daytime television. Yeah. Um, their Trust Your Touch campaign. It was actually my friend's nipple. She's very, very proud of that. Um, she did have it in a Facebook bio for a little while. Um, every time it comes up, we like we know that boob. Um, but you know how how is that? How did we get to? I think it was 2019. How did we get to 2019? And you not be able to show? You know, recently um, the Copperfield video it changed recently but the one we had last year was greg james absolutely adore him um but greg james doing a boob check video because you can't show a woman having her boobs checked how how did we get to this day and age with everything and you know how everything is so open yet boobs are still so taboo how did we get to that it doesn't make any sense that that there's like such a large amount of people in this country right now with a set of boobs on their chest it's no right it makes no sense does it that we're trying to hide something that you can see these people yeah. have it and, and you know you can log on to any of the fashion websites and find clothes that barely cover them yeah. you know you can see all these photographs where boobs are very prominent yet you can't talk about boobs in a in a way of save your boobs you know okay. this is what you need to do and you can't show how to check your boobs and things like that because it it's deemed as not being right 
And that's- I remember like kind of the Ofsted, I remember reading about the Ofsted complaints they had when Chris Hughes had his testicles checked on daytime television. You yeah. think this, and, but that's such a like, obviously for me, obviously it won't ever affect me, but watching that, and I think gentlemen watching that would think I literally had no idea. The same with the kind of campaigns that Copperfield do. And, you know, why are people complaining about that? Like at the end of the day, it's, it's a system. It's trying to help people. And I think... It's still it's shocking that some people are so offended by it. Yeah, it's not for entertainment, is it? It's out there, you know, and it's things like um, my big takeaway, and maybe I would have gone to the doctor sooner. Maybe I wouldn't, you know, but maybe I would have. But in my head, all I kept remembering was look for a lump. All the campaigns were look for a lump. And I never had a lump. I mean, even I ended up having an MRI and then they found multiple lumps. But I would never have felt that. If I was looking for a lump and wasn't going to go to the doctors until I had a lump, that would never have happened, you know, and that's why I like with the with the Copperfield boob check cars and things like that. I don't know if I've got one. Oh, I have. Here we go. Look, I've got all sorts of Copperfield stuff on my desk. Um, but with all the different bits and pieces, you know, a lump is just part of it. It's about the changes and swelling and nipple discharge and things like that, because we discount all of that because it's not a lump. Yeah. And a lot of people don't realise, you know, I know a lady there was um, a campaign where she had had a dent that she saw when she leant back under her boob and it wasn't a lump so she discounted it and actually it was cancer you know some breast cancers can present as a rash yeah like the woman that can't I think her name was I can't actually remember her name we did our boobette talk last year and she said she got hit with a volleyball and it like flattened her boob and it never went back but she put it down to injury and it's only because her friend said really think she goes to the doctors that she found out she had breast cancer because she said she never had a lump and I think people yeah. really focus on that lump and I feel like I have pain with my lump, so the pain for me was a trigger, but I feel like now there's just so much research into breast cancer and all the different symptoms. Some people will never have a lump in their whole journey. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? It's, it's different for everyone. And with any kind of illness and that, people will show different symptoms. You know, they won't necessarily be the same as their friends, but they still have the same... It's rephrasing it, isn't it? It's rephrasing the learning around it and actually being aware of it's what's right for you. And I think that's why when Copperfield say, you know, it's about knowing what your normal is, because some of these symptoms, and I always say that when I show the slide that has, you know, what would traditionally be the symptoms. For some people, these are completely normal. Yeah. You know, some people, people have these. Some people, their sign of weight loss, weight gain, pregnancy, you know, what it is, is if it happens and there's no other reason for it. Yeah. You know, or it was like that. My it, pain, they said, was nothing, it wasn't related to my mind just because, um, it was just a hormone buildup, and they yeah. said it, you know it's completely normal. And there's me thinking because it came with a lump, I panicked. But yeah. it's you know it's the whole like you said you did the right thing coming today, and that's the thing you did the right thing. And it's like you it's better to go to doctors ten, eleven times with things that aren't nothing than to yeah. sit on you know sit back for a couple of years until it gets really bad. And then that's it is it. something. I'd rather everybody went and had that because it is embarrassing, you know, to go into the doctor and someone you don't know because they rotate all the time. It's very rarely the same doctor you see all the time, isn't it? And kind of go oh, I've got this lump, can you have a look? It's embarrassing, I get that, you know? But I'd rather we dealt with that 10 minutes embarrassment because trust me, when you get to four and a half years down the line I have, there's not a doctor in that hospital that hasn't seen my chest, you know? That hasn't looked at it or had a poke or whatever, you know? And suddenly you kind of go, that 10 minutes embarrassment, if I'd done that earlier, I wouldn't have had to go through everything else, you know? And everything that come with it, you know, because it isn't just the cancer, it is your confidence changes your thoughts about yourself change, your mental health is impacted by it, your relationship with other people are impacted by it. Um, and even things now, like I have issues with my lungs, with my, my throat, like I said, 
a problem with my leg. I'm on stupid amounts of painkillers for my leg. You know, it's something that impacts not just cancer-wise, but ongoing. Mm -hmm. You know, and the way you look at things, and especially, I think, with having children as well, I kind of look at it, and Millie's only six. I know, realistically, that I might not see her get married because I know that my cancer was not cured. You know, the fact that I have this sizable tumour now is not a good thing. And you have to kind of reconcile that within yourself. And that's really hard. But when you have something positive like the Copperfield stuff to go out and go, well, do you know what? I can't change it for me. I can't change it for my children. But I can go out and change it for somebody else and somebody else's children. I don't want... I remember the day I told the kids it's awful because it was the same week, you know, David Bowie died, Alan Rickman died, all in this. And I'm like, well, people just stop dying of cancer so I can tell my kids it's okay. And I remember Jake coming home from school and saying, oh, my friend doesn't live with his mum. And I was like, oh, well, that's fine. And we did the whole, some people have two mums, two dads things. And he was he looked completely confused. I was like, no, um, his mum died. And I was like, oh, God. what did his mum die of? And she was like, oh, his mum died of cancer. And you're like, right, now, how am I going to tell this little boy that so do I? You know, and my kids are great. My kids are just, it's, they're, they're quite often seen bouncing off the top of the giant boob. I spend an obscene amount of time walking around my house going, where's my boobs? Has anyone seen my boobs? It's normally Millie. They're soft. They're filled with cushion stuff in the rainbow colored. They smell of me. So she wanders around with them like a little cushion bless her. But that's part of their daily life, you know, and they have to, they have to have made those changes. You Like I said, Millie's going to grow up knowing how important that is, but she had to have a mum diagnosed with breast cancer to get to that point. And I think with all the people that are going out and making this aware, making people know this, they don't have to have that. You know, it's a really, it sounds awful, really privileged position, you know, not to have to have someone you love diagnosed to get that information. And I think, I think the fact that your kids are the ACR and they talk about it so much, you know that they are going to go to their friends and their friends are going to think, what? But then as they get older, it, it into... sticks, doesn't it? And that's the thing. And that's the the whole thing of Copperfield. It's, it's saying stuff enough so it sticks and people think about it and... I said they've got a free text service and like, I really say it, yeah. it's free sign up to it because you get that text once a month and you just think oh you know they're light-hearted they're fun but they think well okay that's good it's a good place to start this month and yeah. I know them were actually the reason why I started checking so I kept getting them after signing up and like you know at a point you think well maybe I should start checking get into the routine and, and then it's you know like for me now I don't think about it. I go oh okay I have a check yeah feels good yeah. fine and it's, it's that getting to that. And one thing I say is that like, if you had a lump of pain on your leg or you had a pain in your knee, you wouldn't just leave it. You'd go to your doctor. You'd get it checked. So why it? would your chest be any different? Exactly. It's part of you. If it's not right for you, then speak to someone about it. And I think with the text messages, um, you text boobets to 70300 um, for the text reminder service. It becomes one of those things that it then becomes a bit of a game and you're like, how oh, I checked before I got my text message. Um, you know, and then you're naturally doing it. Like I said, if someone had said to me, do you check? I would have said yes, but I wouldn't have done it regularly. And if you don't know regularly, and it's like a lot of people don't know that you have to check right the way up to your collarbone and yeah. right the way into your armpit. You know, the most often thing I hear from people is either, well, I don't have boobs, so what do I check? Or, well, I do check, but I just check my actual boob. And very few people know that the breast tissue goes right the way up and right the way around. So it's important to check all that as well. Yeah, without doing my kind of Copperfield talk when I went to, I went to London, I wouldn't have known all of that. And I think... The fact, that, and the fact that I know I was 21 at the time and I didn't know it, it still baffles me how I got 21 years and really had no idea about it. And that's well, your third year in university. And you, you consider, you know, quite a bit, you know, that you're pretty much all right with the world. And you're quite, you know, you're living an adult life. You're yeah. pretty capable. But we don't know these things, you know, and I was the same. I was 34 
And I was sat in this room and I was completely blindsided by it because how did this happen to me? You know, I had never even considered the possibility that that it would happen to me. And that's the thing. And it's like, remember when we did our boob, we did a 12 day of Titmus event at our uni and we did a boob ball tournament and we had more males in that tournament than we did have girls. And they absolutely loved it. And they were eating the boob cookies that I made. And I saw this thing on Pinterest and I thought it was fantastic. And I've made hundreds of these biscuits now, but you know, they were so involved and they really got into it. And then we raised quite a bit of money for Copperfield as well. And you just think, this is what it's all about. And it's reaching them people that wouldn't necessarily know. And it's, they then go tell their sisters or go tell their mums. It's reaching an audience the that might not necessarily know. The ever had an impact on me was last year, actually. Um, my husband is an American football coach and he plays American football. So we have a lot to do with the, the UK American football community. And last year... Um, some friends of ours who are who one who is um, one of the ladies um, GB American football players who's absolutely amazing top of her game who was also one of the first female NFL coaches in America um, and Kenny Bello who runs a lot of UK American football he's a teacher who tries to educate on and things like that here they did a Copperfield tournament and there was 20 teams and each team had at least it, they were all mixed teams um, but they had at least like 10, 15 people per team. And I remember walking onto the field and there being hundreds of hundreds of people and the boob was being thrown around and there was boob check cards and it was just an easy conversation. They all had T-shirts that said beaten cancer on them. And, you know, when you just kind of go, wow, this yeah, is a yeah. huge group of, this is a huge community that probably wouldn't have been targeted by any other breast cancer campaign because they're not the pink fluffy. You and know. that's the thing. And I, I remember um, last year, the, the boy I was dating at the time, he played cricket and he came to me and he's like, do you know where I can get pink shoelaces? And I was thinking, why do you want He was like, oh, we're doing this like Wiltshire tournament for breast cancer. And I just thought, that's absolutely fantastic. It's all male. And I just, you just think the fact that I didn't even have an impact on that, but it's like, who started that talk for them to think, actually, this is a fantastic cause. Yeah. Let's do something for it. And I and think it's amazing when you look at things and you see them. Um, my son plays in hot pink gloves my little boy plays with Hopkins football gloves, but you do, you see it on the field and you see one of the lads will have like a, a bright pink armband on or they have pink boots and you're like, my husband plays in pink boots. And it's just those little things you're like, it means something to somebody. Yeah. You know, and that, that's, that's incredible. And the thing is with this, and I, I, I really stand by, is it shouldn't take someone you know to be diagnosed for you to care about it. It's too and late. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like you said, the statistics of cancer, like you said, one in two will be affected by cancer in their lifetime. It's, you know, one in seven for breast cancer. I know a woman's diagnosed in the UK every 10 minutes. Like it's the, the statistics are staggering. And it's, and it's like, we, it shouldn't take someone you know for you to care about it, should it? And you think yeah. they should speak for themselves. And, and I think, you know, I just, I think what they do, Copper do a fantastic, and obviously you have got other breast cancer charities as well. And I know I collect bras for against breast cancer. And obviously you have, you have so many, and you have, you have wear it pink day and everything like that. There's so many things happening I now. I think and, it's a united front, isn't it? You know, yeah. We need to, it doesn't matter who you support. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm not going to say, well, I'm not going to buy that because that's Cancer Research UK and it's not Copperfield. If it's supporting breast cancer, if it's getting that message out there, then I'm going to support it. I'm going to share that post. You know, I'm going to get involved with that campaign because to me, it doesn't matter how the message gets out there as long as it does. And that's the thing, I used to religiously run the race for life. I haven't obviously this year, Um, but I always, a lot of people do it for their mums and their nans, but I did it for my granddad every year. And, you know, and it's like, I think that's what hit with me. And it just thought it was so, you know, he got diagnosed two hours before he died. And it, it hit me so hard. And I just thought this shouldn't be happening. Like, 
he had a cough he should have gone to the doctors about his cough and it's yeah. it's it sparks something and I think when you're young as well and like you said your kids are at an age where they're going to grow up and they're going to be shouting this from the rooftops because you've got to tackle that young audience and I think that's why them uni boob teams are so successful because you're tackling that audience that now especially with social media they just want to speak out about everything and they want to have a voice and I think this is such an important thing now that you've it's got to get that audience have a voice about isn't it you know it's something that really does affect everybody and I think we're all very conscious about what we can talk about are we eligible to talk about that is it appropriation if we talk about that and it doesn't actually apply to us are we speaking out of turn if we speak about that but breast cancer is something that can apply to everybody that does apply to everybody because it doesn't matter Copperfield have a slide that say um guys girls non-binary it really doesn't matter you know, and that's what it boils down to. It doesn't matter your skin colour, doesn't matter your ethnicity, it doesn't matter your gender, doesn't matter your age. Breast mm-hmm. cancer does not discriminate about that. You know, and I think everybody can speak on that. There is not any there is not a single person that can go, Well, I can't talk about breast cancer because that's not my place to. It's everybody's place to. Um, not just for yourself, but for, for your loved ones, for future generations for absolutely anybody you know it is absolutely your place to make sure that people are aware and I think although obviously charity fundraising has been really down this year sadly because no one's now to do anything but I think 2020 has given a lot of people to a lot of people like time to think and I know for me definitely which I think is it set off like another fire inside of me to really do so with the time that I had yeah but it's given more people time to think and I think it made you realize that you really do not know what's going to happen tomorrow now and this year we spent so many days we couldn't even go out like really go outside you know like your your walk was like my trip to Asda once a week was like my get out it was exciting that's it that was the like pinnacle of the week it's like Asda no no one has to come with me I'm going on my own let me have my time but it's I think it's this year really has I think for a lot of people made you realize that life is so short and you've just got to enjoy it and speak about the right things you know talk about what you want to talk about and and I think, you know, social media this year, you know, the shares of social media are going to be up because everyone's been there, but everyone's been talking. And yeah, I think... It so quickly, you know, you think we went from being, oh, this is this is a bit scary to, right, you all stay in your house, nobody do anything. And lockdown changed that quickly. And cancer is very similar. You know, you could go to the doctors tomorrow and be diagnosed and that's it. That's it, your whole life. You know, they literally give you a sheet of paper that maps out every appointment for the next 10 months. You know, everything is just like this roller coaster that hits you and you don't have time to breathe and everything can change in the blink of an eye and it's being aware of kind of trying to hedge that off a little bit and actually well I know that I can take back control of this if I'm diagnosed at the earliest possible stage. I think it all goes to the whole is using the time you have wisely as well and I think you know we all spend them days I think I spent a lot of days in lockdown when I just didn't do anything but yeah I also then took more time to sit down and like I know for me obviously I really thank Hannah Golden for her help with my platform and really like putting all these amazing campaigns together yeah. with me but you know spending time on that and obviously pageantry is a huge part of my life and obviously Copperfield same as well and I think pageantry just giving me that voice and you know reaching out to all these girls that are you know a lot of them some of them are so young as well and that's the thing you know and obviously I found pageantry when I was an adult so yeah I didn't have them kind of teenage years involved in it but I think there's so many amazing girls that are speaking about so many amazing causes now and I think it's important to listen because a lot of these causes will affect you some way in your life now and I think like you said breast cancer is just one of them whether it's you or it's a best friend or it's your mum it's it's about listening to what you can do to help and the difference you can make and I know obviously we all want to raise money and find a cure but you know if if you can help hit the nail on the head earlier on and find it earlier on then that should be the kind of 
route we should be taking with this. I mean, the conversations, it's starting the conversations, you know, we can look at it and go, what can I do? You know, as a single person, as a, as a project girl, what can I actually do? Because I guess I can fundraise, but I can't find a cure. You know, it's not going to be me in my kitchen finding that cure. It, I'm, you know, I'm not going to suddenly make this huge break for it through. But you can support someone that's going through it. You can start those conversations so that if someone does go through it, you've got that conversation to have with them, you know. And I see my daughter, my um, two of my daughters are involved in pageantry. Um, and Bella is eight and she's just she's just starting her journey. She, she has her first finals next year and she is um, an actual beauty finalist and their charity's Giddo's Gift. And she was talking the other day and she said to me and her friend, unfortunately, during lockdown, um, her eight year old little friend was diagnosed with brain cancer. And you could see Bella go, but mummy, that's what that charity does. They help. It. And, you know, and it's her seeing straight away that actually I can do something here and I can't. I can't give thousands of pounds and I can't, you know, be in that lab making that difference, but I can speak out about that. I can have a voice. And, and the I thing is, it is it's straightforward. It's like every penny counts and a five pounds copy fill lets them send out a hundred texts. A That's month. amazing. It's, like, it's five pounds of us. It's like, it's, it's not a lot of money really. That's and it's like, people that potentially have their lives saved yeah. by the cost of a coffee. That's huge. Where else can you have? Well, yeah, we'll happily go impact. spend, you know, five pound at Starbucks on a frappe, but why aren't we donating that to, yeah. yeah, to charity, and I know like Amazon now they have the smile campaign and like Copperfield's my link charity, so they donate so much money every time I make a purchase. So, Copperfield get a lot of pennies because I buy far too much on Amazon, but yeah. it's some little yeah. things, isn't it? Now, and the fact that so many companies want to get on board with it, and I think it's like you said, little that five pounds in your purse that you donate into a pot for whatever charity makes such a difference in the long run. I think a lot of people feel like their fundraising is inadequate and it's not enough, but every penny Everything really does enough. count. Every share is enough, you know. And I always think, even if you don't, even if you can't get involved with Boop HQ, you know, you don't want to go climb mountains, run marathons, fundraise, all of those things that, that they do, share a post, you know, give a friend a boob jet card, order a shower sticker, you know, just say to somebody, did you know that we could get breast cancer at our age? Did you know, as a man, you could get breast cancer? You know, every single thing. And I was talking to um, one of the people from Boop HQ about this the other day after my talk, actually. We measure our impact, and I think we do it as pageant girls, as people, as business people. We measure our impact in a very small way. We kind of go, okay, so I did a talk to 10 people, so my impact is 10 people. You know, I share, I put out a social media post, and it had 50 likes. My input, my, my, you know, my impact there is 50 likes. And we don't see it from a much wider picture. You know, like the guy... Was Social media as well. I know if you have like business pages, which I do with my pageant page and also with my Instagram, you can actually track how many people you've reached. And you know, you think, okay, only four people liked it, but I have four shares, and each of them people have a thousand friends, and yeah. then maybe that's five hundred of their friends. Have seen I mean, how often have you seen a post and gone, oh wow, where where did that come from? I remember. Do you remember when the back black and white selfie was a phase? And it really frustrates me that it's the share a heart, share what colour knickers you're wearing, share a black and white selfie and don't say why, you know? That frustrates me because, no, let's say it. Let's say it's about cancer. Let's say it's raising awareness, you know? And I remember I was only, I must have only been a few weeks post-surgery at the time, and I remember saying, okay, here's my black and white selfie, and it was a picture of me and my scars um, as they were, you know? And I was like, this is the reality of it. And it kind of developed a life of its own. And I remember my twin sister ringing me going, someone's just shown me your post completely not knowing that you are my twin sister just oh my god have you seen this post about breast cancer 
And that's the thing, you think people screenshot things now and you have no idea. And that's the thing. Once you put something out on social media, you have no idea how people have put that in a WhatsApp group with friends and that, isn't it? And that's the thing. It's, it's, we never really truly know the reach of what we say. And like you said, I think one of the most effective forms of marketing is word of mouth and telling a friend who then tells 10 friends and that's it you're suddenly branching out and you've told all these people have stemmed from that one comment you know, i always think people often say oh well especially now with like the boob webinars oh how many people do we need to book and i'm like i don't care i talk to one person i talk to ten thousand people i don't really care because if one person leaves that talk going yeah i'm gonna check then so be it if i do nothing else in my life but people know me as the pageant girl who talks about breast cancer or you know, oh, the person that's always on about checking your boobs, then that's enough for me. You know what I mean? That is still me reaching my goal because my goal is to make people aware, is to make people think. And I think if I do that, regardless regardless of titles or journey or anything else, that is, that's the ultimate, isn't it? To set out and make a difference. And I think that's what... And I think this, like, and this that just actually took me back when I was talking to like one people. I actually remember I was at a family barbecue um last summer when we could have all these fun things in our lives and i was that chatting to someone that is related to me through marriage but loads of my nan's friends who i've never actually met before yeah. and we got into like, talking about pageantry and i think so like my great aunt was like oh tell them about your pageants and, and i started talking about breast cancer and all these statistics and they were just like we literally had no idea and i was telling these complete strangers this and it's like if they've done gone to their parties going all right i was chatting to um so-and-so's granddaughter she said this and then i'm going to tell my grandkids about that and it's it's that spread isn't it and i think it's remarkable how if something hits you enough, how many people you're going to tell? And yeah. I will just, I said, I, you know, you, you know, this is how these things kind of start. And I think Copperfield didn't start overnight, you know, and it takes them shares and people talking and then being at all the music festivals, like how I found them. I was, I literally walked into that store for a free t-shirt and that's it. And, and that's, that's where it started. Now. I yeah, mean, now look at me. That's kind I've of... still got the t-shirt. It doesn't fit, but I still have the t-shirt. <laughs> I think that's kind of almost like the voice for pageantry and everything, isn't it? is if you have a passion for something then it takes on a life of its own you know and I do see it sometimes you see people come out and I'm going to talk about this and you're like your heart's not in that you're saying that because you think it's the answer you should give and I always think if I go into an interview into an event into anything I do and you can tell when I talk that my passion is breast cancer you know no matter who I talk to and if I come out of that and somebody else has felt that passion then I did all right you know that's what it was for and I think within pageantry within life if you can find your passion then that makes everything so much easier and I think it's, it's no set age isn't it? I feel like there's a lot of pressure I know having come from school such a pressure to know when I pick my GCSEs what I wanted to do as a career and what I wanted yeah. to do then is definitely not what I'm doing now it's not even what I did at university and I think it's you can find your passion at any point in your life and it's that like I work in an office with three men and they were st- they stumbled across my beauty pageant um facebook and they said oh boob check tuesdays okay that doesn't appeal to us and i was like actually actually sit down and let me tell you actually how it can and they all went i had no idea and it's like my one of my colleagues at the same age he was like well i tell my brother that he needs to check his testicles he's like yeah but he needs to be checking his his chest as well because we do and i don't know i don't know how it's different why do we feel more comfortable telling people to check their testicles than we do telling people to check their boobs it's really the thing i think but I think it's with men, they don't, like, you know, they don't feel like they have to talk about boob checking because they feel like they don't have them. But it's like, you've they got don't have to, yeah. And, and that's, that's the like thing, it's... The, with the kind of collarbone and that. Because actually, yes, it's there and it's it's that whole area. And I think I never knew, I didn't find my passion. My I'd said to, <laughs> we have to fill in a boobette review 
every year about anything that we you know Copperfield are amazing and very much take into account what we think and you know it was our opinions and stuff like that and it said on it occupation and I just put Boubette uh, um, and I genuinely feel that you know that because that is my passion and four and a half years ago I didn't realize that this would be my passion when I sat in that room and heard those words I never thought this would be my passion and it is you know there is absolutely nothing that I would rather be doing yeah. and talking to people and making a difference and I think that's it it's about being the impact and I know Pure's kind of hashtag is about being the impact and I really feel that by keep talking by joining forces you know it's amazing when you post something and then I can share it and I'm like look it's not just me talking there's you know there's all these other people and then you see someone else share it and it's amazing that that Pure has impact and obviously Yemi is to inspire obviously as questions are about why we aspire yeah. to inspire and why we do what we do and I feel like I literally could spend my whole few minutes basically just talking about this and like you know forget the appearances I've done let me tell yeah. you about let me tell you about my passion let me tell you about what I want to do and it is inspiring it is inspiring to want to make that change it is inspiring to want to change because it sounds really cheesy doesn't it and you'd be like I want to change the world for people by telling them this information yeah. and it really is as simple as that you really can because you never know who you're going to tell who may... I did a talk in Newcastle once and you know when something sticks in your mind and you have absolutely no idea why and I remember saying, take a photo of the boob check cards, send it to someone who isn't here, someone who you think probably doesn't check. And I remember a few weeks later, Boob HQ emailed me and went, you'll never guess what, it was sent to a lady who didn't check and she was early 20s and she was diagnosed um, a couple of weeks later as a result of, of receiving that boob check card and you're like, Wow. If you can inspire people to action, if you can inspire just one person, I always say if one person ever, since I started talking, since I started on about breast cancer and Copperfield, if just one person in that whole four and, year, four and a half years has started checking, then everything I've gone through is worth it. And I think the whole element of the kind of starting of it all is just curiosity, isn't it? And I think that's, I go back to Unifoke Boob Teams, it's that start trying something new isn't it and it's you know doing something for yourself and I feel like that's why I you know I stand by you and the boob teams being so effective it's because they think okay this is new okay let me let me just try this and then like I said I know we were giving out the shower hanger sit I put them in like the gym toilets and stuff like that we were putting them everywhere yeah. I was giving so many I was like guys just put them in your halls put them in your houses like put them everywhere and it just goes back to it's just like what well, one person would have seen that and thought oh that's interesting well while I'm here and that's it isn't it it plants that seed and I just think it's just fantastic. If I go to a school, obviously I do, I've been doing these talks for a couple of years now, and if I go to um, a school or college that I've been to previously, and there's one in Newcastle that I go to quite a lot, and you go back the following years, and they've still got the um, teen boobs badges on their lanyards, and you go in the toilets, and the boob check stickers are on the back of every stall, and you're like, wow, you know, this message has a life of its own now, and it's like what we were saying, isn't it, about taking that voice, and then you get them going, actually, I want to do something. And we get communication from people going, actually, I saw this talk and now I want to do this or I want to take this further. And it is, it's inspiring. And I have, I absolutely adore Uniboob teams. I have a lot of time for Uniboob teams because it's, university is hard enough, you yes. know, <laughs> all of that. And kind of be an adult, as it were, for the first time and deal with life and uni and everything else. And then to take on something huge like this, it's amazing. And to have that impact, I always say, you know, especially like at secondary schools, get involved with the uni boob team because what you will learn and what you will gain from the uni boob team will be amazing. And I think the biggest thing with it all as well is what I think is really staggering is the fact that every single one of these uni boob team leaders and boobettes 
it's volunteering. No one's paid for this. And people are giving their time because they want to. And it's not like they're it's because they've got they're getting a twenty grand salary a year to do it. Like we're not. We all do it Someone like commented that on a I was using my free periods at uni to do cake stores and to yeah. run it like I know I was doing an events management degree. I was trying to write my dissertation, but I was also running a, a twelve days of Titmus event. And yeah. it's about you, you do it because you want to, you're not because you're forced to. And I think that's why a lot of messages are so genuine because people are getting out of bed that day because they want to, not because they're, they're, they're getting paid to do it. Yeah, I, I once posted uh, I mean, as you know, I post all the time about it. And I posted something and someone would put, oh, you know, it's amazing how much awareness you share and something like that. And someone put under it, well, of course she does. She gets paid to do it. It's a job to do so. And I'm like, no, it's not. You know, I travel. Um, I think in my journeys, I've done just over 400 hours of talking time. But also a lot of my talks are in Newcastle. So that hour talk comes with a four hour round trip, mm-hmm. you know, and I do that because I'm passionate about doing that. Yeah you know, because I want to get out of bed and I want to go and do that. It gives me, it gives me a purpose as well. You know, when times are really hard and you kind of think the cancer overtakes everything else, that gives me a purpose as well. It's, it's yeah. kind of a mutual passion. Um, but people, yeah, you're right. People think that it's a job or you're employed and no, we are all voluntary. And, you and know, that's why I think a lot of people are always so shocked when I say I don't get paid to do pageants. It's like, no, every hour I give, every hour I'm sat there scheduling posts or putting campaigns together it's all my own time and like you know we don't get paid for the hours and the mileage we do on our cars I don't think people consider the value do they it's the value in um the value in having a passion the value in wanting to make a difference you know be that through whatever your goal is in pageantry be that a title or furthering your platform or anything like that you know and and that's why I continued because there was a period where I was like can't do this I need to step back I don't want to be involved and then very much like Chris no there is still so many people I need to talk to there is still so many people that I need to give this message to um keep trying you know and it is that passion of getting out of bed and and that has value that doesn't yes it's not a monetary value but it's more than that you know it is it is a goal and like you say with Yemi it's an aspiration to to do something and to make a difference like I feel like some weeks I probably dedicate more hours to pageants than I do to my actual full-time job. But, Very passing, but the difference is, is with like pageantry and being a boobette or you're a boob team leader, every single one of them hours is because you want to do it. And I think that's why I said that going back, just makes what makes it so genuine and so so empowering because you're there talking because you want to, not because you've been pulled out of bed and you're getting paid £20 an hour to do it. It's, it makes a difference. It yeah. genuinely makes a difference. And I've seen the difference it makes. Um not just to other people, but the difference it makes to me. Because I know I can go out and I know I know that my life expectancy is rubbish, right? I spoke to my, my doctor and he was like, well, the amount of people still alive at five years is only 12%, which as a mum of four is absolutely horrifying. Kind of a month away from five years is absolutely terrifying. But I know that if I sit in his office and he says, right, well, I'm really sorry, there's nothing else we can do, we're looking at months... I know I've gone out and I've done everything I can, that I've gone out and I've achieved all the goals I want to, that I've been out and I've made a difference, you know, be that through pageantry, be that through being a boobette, be that through having a passion for stuff. I know that I've done that. I'm not going to sit there and go, I wish I had done, you know, and I think it goes back to the whole using your time wisely and putting it into something that's important because you don't want to be sat there thinking, I wasted all that time doing nothing. You know, you've been so productive with your time. And I think that's the important thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, a lot of us don't have that many hours in our day. Really, 24 hours isn't that long, really. And it's using that time that we do have spare to, to do something effective and to make that change. And I think 
that one hour you do scheduling or whatever and then that goes out that one post oh. can be so important to that one person that sees it and I think that's the whole kind of point of it isn't it I remember Hannah saying to me once um it's not about how much you do it's why you do what you do and you can go out and you can do 15 million appearances but if your heart's not in them and you're doing them because they're appearances then that's very different than only doing 10 but then being what you are passionate about and what means something you know and that's what I like to think you know I don't get involved with every campaign um, because sometimes I have to dedicate my time and my awareness to what's important to me and and people kind of do consider that selfish or well you join that campaign not that campaign but you do have to because otherwise it's just empty isn't it and it I think is, it's like you know we all have to give ourselves like we, a lot of us feel guilty for not giving stuff back and that and but it's completely natural especially with the year being it's been it's been such a like the year has just been something else and I think it's really paid a lot of time on people's mental health and you know and I feel like giving yourself time isn't a bad thing and I feel like a lot of us feel guilty if we're taking the day to reply to a message or things like that we, and we shouldn't and at the end yeah. of the day like I always go back to remember this time I was quite ill and I was insistent I had to go on the scout camp to be a leader and they were like no like if number <laughs> one isn't well how are you going to help other people and yeah. at the time I thought what are you saying but now I think if I'm not well or I'm really tired and I'm not physically there with you then it's I'd rather be, I'd rather give it some time and then be there and be properly there and enjoying it and, yeah. and I think one thing I, I really emphasize to people is don't feel guilty for not being okay and don't feel guilty because you can't give me time today that's fine it's okay for us to need five minutes and I think you know like I said there's so many campaigns like so many fantastic campaigns happening during lockdown and I could take part of them all like it's it's hard and I feel like you know you shouldn't feel guilty and and that's the thing isn't it you use your time wisely and if you've got to take an hour to just yeah. relax then take that hour because it's at the end of the day you've got to look after yourself kind of thing that's it because you could be you know obviously we all want that title that's why we're that's why we do what we do but are you any good with that title if you're that burnt out that you can't do a single thing you know if you end up having six months where you can't do anything at all because you're just so exhausted you know you're not doing yourself justice you're not doing your system justice by doing that and you I think, know, you know, this, as much as I miss pageant events, and I really do, but going back to kind of when I finished you last year, I think there wasn't a weekend for about a 10 week stretch that I wasn't like doing something every day. So I was working Monday to Friday, then I was at an event on the Saturday and I was driving up to Leeds on the Sunday and I, I don't know when I slept, <laughs> but then it was kind of like, I enjoyed doing it, but I was just tired all the time. And I feel yeah. like this year, I think it's made everyone kind of realise that we love these events, but it's okay to take five minutes and not be everywhere because in looking after yourself you know and that's the thing it's like the event you go to that pageant you go to watch is two and a half hours but then the commute on top of that's a five hour round trip and you think that's eight and a half hours and no wonder i'm so tired you don't don't consider that do you because you're like oh i'm going to go this and it's it's these many hours or i'm going to go volunteer here and it's only an hour but it might take two hours to get there but it's like me and hannah we we love charlotte clemmy we went up and did a shoot with charlotte um in october and we left swindon at eight in the morning and we didn't pull up outside our house until quarter to 11 that night yeah and you just think well you think about that because you went and spent a couple of hours at a photography studio and you know what we had a fantastic time and it's like that's why as much as I want to do it more that you know that drive I think tired me out for a week yeah because you know like it says like that drive you know it's straight motorways but it's just it's such a draining day because when you get there the adrenaline is up and you have such a fantastic time and then when you suddenly start having that kind of like you said the, the pageant hangover is real because it is, you're yeah. tired because you have all that adrenaline you have all that excitement and then you suddenly sit down and you think 
oh, I need to sleep for a week now. But um, I've always been the type of person, and my husband reminded me of it the other day, actually, long before I was diagnosed, because he was forever saying, oh, you can't burn a candle at both ends. And I remember, and it used to be one of those things, you know, you just fire off a response. And I always used to say to him, oh, well, you know, both ends burns brighter. Um, and we were talking about it the other day. And you have to realise, when I, when I was diagnosed, I would do everything all at once. I would be doing 15 million things all at once. And I'm very lucky in that I can multitask and I can do lots of things at once. And then chemo affects that. You know, it does affect your brain cells. It does affect your fatigue levels. And I really struggled with, oh, my God, why can't I do all this? Why now, even now, like with the pain in my leg and stuff like that. So I have to have morphine and stuff like that. And that really bothers me because it slows me down. And it's actually accepting that that's okay. And yeah. it's okay to need to slow down. And actually, I need to listen to that too. Where I'm like, but actually, and sometimes it feels like I kind of go, oh, this is cancer's fault. Because I can't do all of this at the same time. And actually, I'm grateful to cancer for making me see these things. And yeah. I will always say that I'm a far better person now than I was before I was diagnosed. And I think it's, I'm the same as you. I love being busy and I love cramming my day with loads of things to do. But then... It is. It makes you exhausted, and you know you you've got to give yourself time. And, and I think best of you can you if you're exhausted. And, and I, I feel like you know I work all weekend. I work all weekend. Like, oh, you're doing you're just relaxing this weekend. It's like nope because I'm doing this and that. <laughs> and I'm traveling here and I'm driving here. Yeah. And then I think you know then like there's something more like we just have a day. And I, I try and do that now because I just give myself a day. And you just think I'm not doing anything, but that's fine. And that's it's okay, so and, it. and you shouldn't be punishing yourself because you want to you want to sit and watch a couple of films and have <laughs> eat a bag of crisps, you know. Like, that's where you know that's where boob checking does come back into it, isn't it? It is self care. It's about taking care of your body and giving yourself time for you, you know. And it is that thing of I'm too busy. Are you too busy to spend two minutes to do it? Because if you don't, cancer will stop you. It will go. Okay, then you didn't listen to me. I'm now going to stop you, and I'm not going to let you do that again. You know, and it is, you know, the whole the whole cancer journey was like, oh, my God, I've got so much I want to do and I don't have the time or the energy or I can't or, you know, I'm not well enough to do that. And even now, I want to go do this, but I can't because of my leg or I can't drive these distances. And if you take those moments, you take that self-care to do check, to be aware of your body, listen to your body, then it's not going to have to make you stop. And that's the thing, it's true. I think that's why, you know, as much as we, we, we slate 2020 for the year it's been, I think it's given everyone kind of that respect and it's okay not to be okay and it's okay to take five minutes and have a lay-in and, you know, not go on a walk, but, you know, all that. You I know, think it's brought our it's mental okay. health to the forefront, hasn't it? We've been more aware of our mental health than we ever have before. And yes, for many people, that's poor mental health. But actually, maybe we need to acknowledge that. Maybe we needed time to go, actually, my mental health is not as good as it could be. I think as well with it, I think because so many people are so vocal and so many people are feeling the same, I feel like it gave a lot of people kind of that olive branch to actually admit it. And I feel like when, you know, I've, I've had kind of bad mental health quite a few years now and I luckily I've got a really good support network and I've always felt like I could talk about it. But there's still so many people that feel like they can't. And I feel like this year, because so many people have openly said, look, I'm not feeling okay, I feel really really isolated I feel really down so many people feel the same and so many people going that's okay because I feel the same way too and I think if anything this year has has had its negatives to say the least but I think it's given everyone such a new perspective on life yeah. and the time that we have and I think going forward I think this is really going to benefit a lot of us and going I think forward that's really into important the years. as well isn't it because it's very easy to look at um, especially big systems like Yemi and Galaxy and look at the title holders and the big name finalists as it were 
and see how it feels like they've got everything together and you know <laughs> with everything and you know sometimes I look at Hannah and go oh my god how does she cope with with pee and all of this and I've got yeah. husband here but you know my four kids are driving me crazy and it's very easy to kind of measure yourself up against somebody else and you don't and I think that's the thing it's like I'm very similar to Hannah like sometimes you just take that afternoon like today's day and I'll put makeup on I'll do my hair and then I'll be schedule and post for the next month so you think I've glammed up that Wednesday afternoon but yeah reality is I'm sat in bed watching Gossip Girl so that's it you know, it's, that's the thing. It's, it's, social media can sometimes give people the impression that they really do a fantastic in life and like wow she looks fantastic all the time and it's kind of like actually that photo was taken a month ago and I do not look like that now and it's that's why it's always been important to me to share I mean there's there's some shocking pictures on my Instagram um you know there are some pictures of me sat in my car absolutely sobbing my heart out after a hospital appointment you know no doubt there will be Thursday uh, Tuesday when I've driven six hours to be seen by a specialist um because it's a lot you know but it's important for people to realize that life isn't just all pink fluffy breast cancer posts you know it's not it's not all just us running race for life and doing all these good things and biscuits and giant inflatable boobs, you know, actually behind that, it is exhausting. And it is, you know, we, we come at it with the lighthearted, but actually behind this is cancer, you know, behind this and is. I think that's the thing. I think, you know, you've, you've give such, give such a raw experience of it. And I think, you know, some people will take that as a negative, but me personally, I think you're giving everyone the, the 360, the 4D experience of what it's really like. And, you know, it's easy to say that I feel okay today, I feel fine, you know, I'm absolutely fine. But the reality is a lot of the time you're not and we shouldn't feel like we can't show that side. And, you know, I feel like, you know, Instagram paints this perfect life that everyone lives. And reality is a lot of us don't. And, yeah, you know, it's coming away and not making it feel like you feel guilty because you don't look like that or you're not feeling like that because we're only human and we cannot be happy and healthy 100% of the time. Like, we all wish that was a reality, but it really is I'm going to blame Charlotte Clemmy for that. I've got a photo in my um, my presentation of me of one of my headshots with her, and I'm like, I do not look like that 99. I'm, and I don't even look like that 0.1% of the time, you know? And it's very easy, I think, when you do have those sorts of images of yourself and you do have that, you know, the big evening gown out there thing, it's very easy to kind of hold yourself up to that and go, why am I not like that all the time? Yeah. Why can I not be that put together all the time? And it's not real. It's social yeah, media. The thing is, though, them events and when you compete on stage, you look and think, oh, wow, I look fantastic. But you think that one image, it's got a, a one year build up and, you know, yeah. saving and tears and, you know, everything that comes with it. You know, the amount of meltdowns I have and I'm like, I'm giving up. I'm not going to be That's anymore. it. Never it again. <laughs> you know, <there's>, you know <laughs> Hannah will tell you, I have a couple of meltdowns every now and then. I'm just like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. I've had enough. But it's it's fine. I feel like we've got to have them good moments. And Charlotte Clemmie spoke, and you think, wow, that day I felt absolutely fantastic. And there will be other days I feel that good, and I shouldn't feel guilty yeah. for the day that today I feel like actually I've got greasy hair and I'm wearing my pajamas. I do not look like that. Yeah, today I've lost my boobs and I'm wandering around the house in a state of confusion. I mean, <laughs> how it normally is. That is life. But I'm gonna have to wrap this up now, Tracy. Thank you so it's been much. Fantastic speaking to you today. Um, how if people want to follow you and your journey, and what's the best way to get in contact with you? So I have um I have personal Facebook at Tracy Glenhill. I have a very badly updated um girl with the boobs um Facebook. I promise I will update it more. Um, but I'm also I do post a lot on Instagram at Think I Just Got Lost. Perfect. That's great. Uh, Thank I you so much for the time today. I also do have a blog which isn't updated, but it is my cancer journey start from finish at um the girl with the boobs dot wordpress dot com. Perfect. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Trace. It's been lovely speaking to you. Take care. Thank you.